CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. And welcome back, my golfing friends, to a brand new episode of the original Off Course. I'm your host, Dan Edwards, and joining me this week is Mr. Dean Klatt of Seed Golf. Dean, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, delighted to be here for a chat today. Yeah, this is uh, something that's very interesting to me. We've seen the discussion on THP already about Seed Golf. Josh uh, Josh Babbitt over there had a really interesting brand story. So so I have the shell of the story. Uh, I, I have a really good idea of where you're coming from, what's going on. Uh, but for any of those out there who are not familiar with who you are or who how Seed came to be, can you kick off this show by sharing a little bit of your backstory uh, and, and how you've come to go from Australia to Ireland and now to Seed Golf? For sure. Yeah, look, it's been quite a journey, I have to say. So I ended up here in Ireland um, by marriage. My wife's Irish. So uh, so I had a, a business down in Australia working with, uh, with Cleveland Tricks on. Um, so we were uh, working in the industry for them, basically brand managers for Australia for, for that brand. And when Trixon bought out uh, Cleveland globally, they, they bought out my business down there and I kind of ran out of excuses to not move to Ireland. And my wife, my wife packed us up with her kids <laughs> and managed to get us over here. So that was kind of how I landed here. So it was an interesting experience um, just from a business perspective of going from uh, a country where we'd been operating for, for quite a period of time and having a... Uh, connections, reputation, all that sort of stuff to coming to a new market like like Ireland or a new environment like Ireland and, and not having any of that and having to start again from scratch. So um, so I did a little bit of work with OGO as well, um, helped them set up their uh, UK distribution, but also more importantly, their uh, EU, their European um, online division. And and that was a really interesting uh, exercise. And probably there was there's many points that sort of led us to start seed but that was definitely one of them it's that experience of um you know traditional golf i guess if you want to call it that so traditional golf retail and um traditional golf media even of kind of being uh perhaps not as aware or as open to new new brand stories coming through golfers perhaps what they should be and what we were noticing is that, that online the customer you know got actual golfers were really interested in what ogo were doing at that time you know it was quite a different um take on golf bags, the different designs, different colors, all that type of stuff. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting that the consumer or the golfers were starting to become aware of all these other little funky brands that were starting to develop. And once OGO sold to Callaway, I kind of, uh, I don't know, we just had this idea that there'd be potential to, to do what we've done here at Seed, which is essentially um, like the technical term, what we would call it in, in business speak is it's a digital native direct consumer golf brand which basically means we design and develop our own products our own golf products and we sell them direct to our customers via our website um, so it's a pretty sim simple business model by doing that obviously the usual d2c story you cut out the middleman cut out all those margins and retailers uh, margins and that type of stuff and you can pass those benefits on to the to the customer so for us um, the most important piece of that puzzle was really the product and we were pretty lucky very early on to get involved with um, a government trade body over here in Ireland called Enterprise Ireland, which helps fund and develop um, business ideas that have potential to sell globally. So for whatever reason, they saw some potential in seed, put us down at uh, where I'm sitting now, which is uh, 
was formerly called the Institute of Technology in Carlow, which is in the Midlands of Ireland. You, I think American listeners probably would never have heard of Carlow, wouldn't even know where it is. Um, but it's we in the know Midlands. Ireland, of Ireland. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're in Ireland. Um, yeah. And uh, and there was some really interesting uh, um, supports available to us here. So on on campus, there's what they call Design Core, which is a, a sort of a rapid prototyping design lab. CAD design, 3D printing, all that type of stuff, where we could work on some of our early early prototypes and early designs. But more importantly than that, there was in the building right next to me here is the Department of Aerospace and Engineering. So there's a wind tunnel in there. So technically, we could CAD design a ball, 3D print it, bring it up to the wind tunnel, test it, see what it was like. So, so yeah, we spent a couple of years knocking around doing that. Obviously, worked with our manufacturing partners as well to help put it put it together. And that's kind of how we started. So just started with one golf ball, no marketing. Um, all organic or word of mouth and just really let the product speak for itself. So, so yeah, it was about five years ago and here we are today. Yeah. So you, you left me with about 50 questions through that, that, that spiel, <laughs> two minute spiel there. My goodness. Um, the first thing I want to ask you about is when I was reading through your process, your experience, uh, there's a discussion between you and someone else about the differences being between selling online uh, the success of selling online versus the sec- success of selling uh, with through floor space. But there's a, a distinct challenge that comes with having floor space to sell. So is that is that component something you learned early on that was like, we don't necessarily need to be in a store at eye level to be successful? Um, I think for, for us, and I'm sure a lot of DTC brands are probably the same, it, it, when we were getting started, you're kind of just looking at you know, we're, we're the very uh, embodiment of that David versus Goliath story. You know, we're this little um, scrappy little brand from Ireland trying to take on the the uh, billion-dollar giants of, of the golf industry, you know, Titleist, TaylorMade, Callaway, all those sort of guys. So you're kind of just looking for where's your best entry point. And for us, it was definitely the, the advantage of being able to serve the the customer serve golfers really quickly. So get the product to them in their hands really, really quickly from us by buying direct from us. So it doesn't have to go through that third party. Um, we could save them some money as well. And as I mentioned there before, that experience I had with OGO, you kind of find that um, there isn't a lot of floor space in a lot of those traditional golf retail outlets. So that they can only stock and sell so much product from so many brands. So they tend to be aligned with, However, depending on the size of the, the facility, I guess, but it could be two, could be three, could be four, could be five, but that's kind of about it that all they can manage. So it tends to paint or present a very limited um, palette of equipment options for golfers if they're looking for something outside that. Beauty of the internet, as we all know, is the world's your oyster. You can get pretty much whatever sort of weird stuff you want online. And and um, yeah, so we, we just felt it was a, is a good way to go for distribution for us to get started. So I wouldn't say we can, we're entirely set on we'll always be um, D2C. I mean, D2C is great and in, the internet is great, but it's not a 100% reflection of the, the market, you know, to get your product in front of people. So it was just the best place for us to start, I think, which is why we, why we took that path. So when it comes to DTC, I, I, I feel like there's become a bit of an identity there uh at no fault of certain companies but certainly at fault of others where it's this just packaged redesigned you know um, unremarkable thing that uh is purely based on price and when you actually get it in hand 
Uh, I'm trying to paint this picture as politely as possible to say that there's just some garbage out there. Um, And and there's almost like this. There's some, uh, yeah, there's some some mixed options out there for sure. And I think, I I think with any, um, I was going to say disruption again, that's probably a, a kind of a, not a great word either, but whenever there's change in an industry like there has been and that we have kind of gone from golf being, or golf retail I'm talking about, being traditionally, you know, you have to buy through the, the golf pro shops or the PGA superstores of the world and that type of place, um, to where there now is a lot of options online. When, when people see, business people I'm talking about, when people see that opportunity that something is changing and there is a, a trend um, developing that there is a market, you know, people will buy golf equipment online, all that type of stuff. You tend to see a flood of people entering that market, which is what we've seen in not just golf balls, but in, in a lot of different categories, I suppose, in golf, where there's a, there's a lot of companies kind of with a similar message, I suppose, that it's saving consumers money, it's getting the product to them quickly, all that sort of stuff. So um, I don't think that's necessarily unusual that there is a lot of entrance in that market. I think over a period of time, uh, it kind of whittles down. You kind of work out pretty much what you're saying. You work out pretty quickly. The consumers are very smart. Golfers are very smart. They figure out pretty quickly what's good, what's bad, and what's kind of BS. You know, what's what's just a bit of a marketing story. Um, and uh, the, yeah, they determine pretty quickly which ones are, are worth. You know, well, is, it, is it really value for money, or is it just a cheap price? So hopefully, with us, I think we present something that is um, that performs you know, pretty well. And it's, it's a good price point as well. So it's hopefully good value for money. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the cheapest on the market, but definitely, um, hopefully, hopefully that's how we present ourselves. So, so yeah. Yeah. I I was just going to say getting, getting an opportunity to have some identity out there as you grow, it sounds like you're doing spectacular in Ireland, but as you grow towards our market here, um, that identity stops being DTC and starts becoming seed more than that. Uh, I think so. I find, yeah, I think, yeah, I think the 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 industry has probably evolved. Where is when we when we started, it was very much about that it was kind of unique and new and different, and D 2 C was was kind of the flavor of the month, I suppose. Whereas now it's more about, um, yeah, more about the product, I suppose, and what you stand for and what you're trying to do for the industry. And for us, that's really just trying to make, as I said there before, golf golf can kind of come across as a bit stuffy sometimes. It's just trying to make golf more fun and just trying to get golfers that would say traditionally maybe not be able to afford to use a premium golf ball or maybe would look for a secondhand golf ball option that sort of stuff to be able to give them the opportunity to use a premium golf ball every time they play a brand new one every time they play um so there's a sort of a consistency of of uh performance there that they get used to which helps improve the game i think um and uh yeah, I think we kind of just hopefully simplify the process as well of ball selection. That can be a bit overwhelming sometimes. I think in the current market where there's a million options from uh, you know a million different people, it's it sometimes get confusing to figure out which which ball you actually should be using. So hopefully we simplify that as well. You made the mention of the uh, slightly used or recycled golf ball. That that's always been a really scary process for me. I, you have no idea where the ball came from. There's you have no idea whether it's been sitting in uh, a pond for four or five months. Uh, and yet, just based on the name that's on the ball, people have faith in the consistency of it. That That's an interesting proposition right there. It is. And kind of when we were getting going over here, it was one of the, when we were doing, again, not to get too deep into the business side of it, but when we were doing market research and all that sort of stuff, it was very clear that there was a, you know, people were looking for a better value option. They wanted wanted a premium product, a tour level performance golf ball, basically. But they maybe not necessarily wanted to pay the full full price for that. And that's why 
secondhand recycle balls, that sort of stuff is so popular as people are looking for that option. So hopefully we give them something, uh, certainly a better product than that, but hopefully somewhere similar around to the same value, but with a, a new product and a, and a better performing product than that as well. Well, I'd like to hear more about um, the the fortunate connection you have to where you're sitting right now. This this opportunity to be uh, having things like a wind tunnel, having uh, engineers basically at the ready that that had to have propelled your business significantly forward before you really anticipated that, right? Like, did it just kind of fall into your lap in a way that you got off the ground running? Yeah, pretty much. As I said, the we had the idea. Um, so I have a background. So those companies I mentioned what I worked for before, I had a background in, in product development as well. So I had spent a lot of time up in Asia um, sourcing, not necessarily, uh, I wouldn't say designing is probably the wrong word, but certainly sourcing and putting that, that stuff together for people. So I kind of had an understanding of how all that worked. And as I said, there at the beginning, when you're doing what we're doing, it, it all sounds really easy, but at the end of the day, you've got to get the, the product has to perform and you, you're sort of coming up against some pretty, some pretty well, pretty high performing products, you know, that we compete against to be perfectly honest. Right. Um, so yeah, so, so landing here, being an Australian, didn't know anything about the college of what was here, didn't know anything about the facilities and stuff that they had available to us. And it was really, yeah, it was really opening when we first arrived. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like we've got access to all this stuff. Like, and, really we can just go in here whenever we want and we can talk to these guys about doing this stuff and this engineer over here will talk to us about this stuff and go yeah yeah no worries so um so yeah it was it was really kind of fortuitous and as i mentioned there's this um island's a great place for not just for golf um you know it's not quite the home of golf scotland definitely is that but it's it's certainly not far behind that you know there's a lot of fantastic uh links golf courses here that um that americans seem to like to play i keep running into them out there all the time in the summer um and uh you know they kind of punch above their weight as well for a small country even on the professional level you know with rory and um shane larry darren clark and all those power harrington all those sort of guys so it's it's sort of a yeah and it's just like kind of in a serendipitous kind of way it was a perfect place to start a golf brand i think um so not only this facility here where we're at but just having access to those golf courses that i mentioned so we would play a lot a lot of linksy type golf consequently you become like coming from australia we don't play links golf at all so it was like a brand new experience for me and you become very aware very quickly trajectory and how your ball performs through the wind is very important to playing good golf over here mm -hmm. so that was kind of one of the core the, the key things that we really worked on when we were getting going is making sure that 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 ball held its line held its flight that the spin rates all worked to make make all that happen and the dimple patterns kind of worked as well so um so yeah it's a good little test bed if you're trying to do what we were doing um you know i didn't started here because of all that was available but just having access to all that was was yeah a huge benefit for us definitely so uh, i read that some of your early and primary prototyping and um, research was putting it in the hands of regular golfers in that region yep. is is there anyone more punishing to listen to discuss a brand than uh the discernible golfer <laughs> Um, <laughs> mid, mid handicap well we, yeah, look, it's we interesting are... we, we do test we tested a couple of ways so we test in the states on robotic robotic testing so there's another australian that actually um i'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that runs a, a golf company over there in the states who's very kindly um works pretty closely with us and helps us out with a lot of our um, robotic testing and development so, so that's kind of one piece of the puzzle um 
and and that's that's great is to get that and i suppose that's where we would um uh sort of get a baseline performance against some of those uh, more well-known brands that you might be familiar with over there so so we can that allows us to test up there get the get the um get the baseline data that we're looking for and then try and try and uh, hopefully get ours to, to perform to that level as well and then there's the the testing with with actual real golfers and i think with what we do you know a lot of golf companies um this is just what i see kind of get carried away with uh the the tour and the tour is great and it's a great promotional vehicle for their products and all that sort of stuff but the reality is those guys probably are in the what the top half a percent or one percent of golfers as far as ability in the world so we tend to design more for for real golfers people i'm not sure what what you play off dan but certainly for people like me that play regularly play to an okay ability but but uh, you know, never going to uh, to get up to Rory's or or Tiger's level. That's for sure. So, so all our performance is kind of designed to to work best for 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 that type of ability. Um, so that that held us in good stead. So when we were doing that testing, um, the Irish are, the Irish are great. Actually, they they love that idea. They love that underdog story. You know, they love that idea that there was this brand starting golf brand starting to develop. Excuse me, here in Ireland that was going to take on the the majors major brands in the world and they kind of really got behind it very early so so yeah we, we were pretty fortunate in a lot of ways of, of how it all all started basically one of the big things i'm curious about is durability um and this is something that i've experienced not just from a dtc experience or uh condition but also from the major brands if a ball doesn't hold up to a certain amount of strikes for me without looking like it's getting beat down that that's crucial I need something that looks decent after 18 holes. Not great. Uh, you know, we, we do some pretty solid damage with wedges over 18 holes, but the durability has to be there. And, and, I, and I'd and i love Definitely. to know where does that stand on um, your identity and, and how critical is that for you? Oh, definitely. hundred percent. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's something we don't talk about. It's almost, we take it as a given, if you like, it's something we don't talk about very often. It's just, um i don't know how you do what we do and try and compete against the people we compete against meaning the, the larger established brands without having that as part of your performance piece you know if it, if it wasn't durable i think the whole thing would just kind of fall over before you even got started um so uh so yeah it was it, right from day one um that was kind of always central to what we were doing it like it had to the urethane balls are tricky, like they're not going to last six or seven rounds. They just, it's by nature of the material that you're using, that's not going to happen. Um, but but yeah, you certainly want it lasting more than nine holes or 18 holes, really. So we, we try and get it to a point where you might be able to get two rounds out of it if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're not having 140 hits around. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we, we try and design that dur durability in the end. That's just to really cover formation and, and the mix of material that we would use in those covers. So that's kind of how we work around that and that's all built through a partnership uh, where your balls are actually produced how does that work yeah similar to what we have here in um uh at, at carlo there's another facility here in ireland there's a lot of shared um resources if you like so carlo would have the the wind tunnel and that sort of stuff there's there's chemical engineers and plastic engineers that are focused in another facility that would be able to lend some support on that type of stuff as well and, and yeah certainly the, the manufacturing partner the factory itself would would um would lend a lot of support to to what we would be doing there so um yeah it's a it's a it's not an overly tricky area to be honest with you but it's definitely something that uh I think the ones you're talking about, you can kind of see 
um, you can see where costs have been saved in the manufacturer. Mm. Let's put it that way. So that's probably an, that's probably an indication of what you're seeing. I would say. Well, that's the biggest conversation, right? You think DTC, you think cost savings. Uh -huh. um, whether that has to do with cutting out the middleman or producing the cheapest product that comes close to measuring up. And and, and I think that's really where I want to focus a lot of this discussion today and, and let people sure. recognize that that's not what you're doing. That not is not necessarily the idea of seed. Certainly eliminating the middleman is a wonderful thing, but performance is crucial and not giving up quality is secondary to that um you know having the ability to test your product and and have faith in it we've seen uh big box retailers here rebrand what i'm assuming is just a whole bunch of overstock from you know nassau <laughs> and and it being different release to release and and having a cult following which is hilarious because it changed uh within the next set of packaging you know that that kind of thing that that's always been my fear. When you go to your go-to brand, you have a, an understanding that there may be a newer model, but the consistency is there. Uh, when you move into that DTC space, there's a fear that that quality doesn't carry through with it. Uh, and everything I've read about Seed suggests that you're very much working against that narrative. Yeah, I think so. I, th I think for us, that, I mean, there's definitely a couple of ways you can do it. Like, obviously, we are trying to take some cost out of the equation for for golfers, for the end user, consumer, whatever you want to call them. Um, but one thing we've always said is is the way we, we do that and the way we distribute the product. So that whole thing of selling direct via our website, we send the ball straight to you, all that sort of stuff. So you do cut out that, the middleman. And more importantly than that, actually, which is probably an underrated uh, cost factor, particularly in golf, is, is we don't um, sponsor tour players. You know, we don't pay Rory, I don't know, 20 million a year or whatever to, to use our golf balls, which... Um, obviously someone has to pay for that somewhere and that tends to come out of the, the, the cost of, um, of balls to, to people as well. So, so yeah, we, we always say we, we don't, we don't shirk at all on what we try and do with the design side of it. So we, we're very fortunate that we have access to a lot of facilities without physically having to pay for that. A lot of that ourselves, meaning we have access to the facilities at the college here. Um, and, and we, we don't certainly don't scrimp on the materials that we use for the actual manufacture of the product. And look, the manufacturing partners that we, we use, um, we use a, a, a couple of different ones, um, would be, you know, that they make for several very large golf brands and are quite difficult to, like, it's not easy. You can't just, yeah, it's quite difficult to get in there and it's, it's not, it's not, not easy to establish those. Um, relationships is what I would say. So, um, so yeah, so we're, we're pretty fortunate on that side as well. That I'm pretty confident with the quality of the product that we, we end up putting out there. So I'm going to lay off on the the grilling session here. <laughs> I feel like I didn't I'm feel as though you were grilling me. I thought they were great questions. Okay. Um, but I did notice one thing on the, on the website, as I was perusing your ball options, you, you have the, um, you have a couple names that I'm really curious about. It's the green AF and the red AF. Now, when I say AF, I mean, uh, you know, it gets a little vulgar. Is that ben, I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about, mate. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a proper term for that, and we call it adrialescence fluorescence, and that's okay. a, a geological term, and it means when the light hits the – the um, normally when in ge geological terms, when the light hits the rock, it reflects – uh, refracts a certain color and that's that's yeah. what we've done with the cover of those balls so so no i have i have no idea what you're talking about there dan 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, well, I saw well, to that. be honest with you, like for, for a brand like ours, sometimes you have to do things like that that are a little bit uh, left of center. For for that reason, you, you're looking to create a little bit of attention and and just do something a little bit differently from everybody else does. So, so yeah, it does it does have a proper name, but most people probably see it the same way you see it. I would think. You know, I had a good laugh, and I'm in the generation where, you know, we're like uh, not necessarily post emoji, but uh, you know, I, I'm still a little bit in the know of uh, <laughs> the younger speak. And when I saw that, I could not stop laughing. I, I think it's great uh that that you don't take yourself so seriously that uh, you can't have things like that that's yeah a lot well, i of think fun. i think with us i think we we definitely um we definitely uh, are trying to produce a serious product for sure like it's definitely something that's supposed to perform well for for a lot of different people but but yeah you don't have to that's kind of that thing i was saying about golf in general being a bit stuffy and the way some of the brands approach it we definitely don't take ourselves too seriously at all the product's definitely serious but but we don't have to be uh, I'm curious, Dean, what it's been like for you going from Australia to Ireland. I've always gotten a sense that uh, in that region, the region you're in now, golf's taken a bit more seriously than it is elsewhere. Uh, um, yeah, possibly. There's definitely a difference. I mean, golf's pretty serious in Australia. I would say that the main difference, to be perfectly honest with you, say between here, Australia and the UK, so we'd be pretty strong and have a pretty good um, footprint over in the UK as well. So that's kind of a core market for us um is that the golf is not uh it's not necessarily an affluent sport there's definitely affluent parts about it um but it's definitely it's kind of like a, a blue collar working working man's kind of sport so what i mean by that is it's not super expensive to play um a lot of people do play it for that reason um it's it's easy to get out on the course and 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 enjoy the game basically so uh, i find in the states there's definitely that you know that country club environment where where it is you know it's quite expensive you know, what is it, 800 around at, at uh, Sawgrass now or something silly? So, you know, all that sort of stuff is definitely very different to what we're used to over here. Okay. I think, um, you know, even to play the, the best courses in Ireland, you know, Ballybunion, La Hinch, those sort of places are probably only 250 euros around. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a little bit more affordable, a little bit more accessible, a little bit more easier to um, for people to get into, I would say. Um, I, the other difference coming from – I'm from Brisbane in Australia, which is kind of subtropical climate. Um not sure how much you're aware of Ireland, but it's definitely not subtropical here. Uh, so, so that's been, that's definitely been a, a bit of a, um, yeah, it took a little bit of while adjustment just on a personal level. Um, but yeah, that, that'd be the main difference. And as I, as I might've mentioned there before, we don't really play, we, we have Sandbelt golf down in Melbourne, which is not where I'm from, but um, you know, Sandbelt golf is regarded as some of the best golf in the world really, but we don't really have links courses like they have here. And Certainly for me, and as an Australian coming over here, I can remember the first time it was actually at Bally Bunyan, um, and the first time I was playing there, and you kind of get that impression. You're walking around going, "Oh, okay, so this is what golf's supposed to be. This is what golf's all about." You know, playing in that just the, the different type of shots it requires you to play, and as I mentioned there before with the balls, just how um, yeah, just the different questions it asks you. It's it's really interesting and a really fun way to 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 get into the game. I think so. So yeah, I just would say it's it's a, a little bit easier to get involved over here than perhaps what it would be um in, in so, some uh, some other areas so is it the firmness of the ground and just the overall wind is that the biggest difference um yeah and and more so than that the, the greens of yeah and i'd say the, the greens it's a lot um you play the ball on the ground uh it's a lot firmer conditions so it's not like uh, say stadium top golf where you might just throw it up through the air and you want it to stop pretty quickly or closely to the pin you know you might have to 
land something 10, 15, 20 feet short of the green and let it run up to the hole and feed it off the mound of the bunker to get it somewhere near where you want it to go because you just won't be able to hold that green if you're downwind or crosswind or whatever that might be. So it just requires you. And the other thing I really like about it over here is, um, this is just from playing golf, is um, distance is irrelevant. So if you're playing in those windy conditions, it doesn't matter if you can hit it, you know, 350 off the tee or hit your seven iron 200 yards. It, it doesn't matter. You can hit, if you've got 150 yards in the green and you want to hit a five iron and manufacture some sort of shot with that to keep it out of the wind and keep it on the ground and, and get it up on the green, then yeah, knock yourself out, go for it. And I, I find that's a really, ask you a lot of questions. It's an interesting way to play the game, I find. Yeah. I've been a, a high ball hitter, like a one stop. And I, mm -hmm. I prefer my ball to land like a pancake than, than run out. But you know, a lot of the conversations around golf balls have to do with greenside spin, and 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 yep. I'm happy to tie that back into seed. You uh -huh. have multiple tour tier options, so basically balls that would perform at the tour level, uh, and you make mention of different spin aspects there. Yep. Has playing a lot of Irish golf has that supported that premise for you? Has it like doubled down on the value of that once yeah, the ball has landed? So yeah, for sure. So internally here, so we'd probably joke that, say, um, uh, not to get too technical with the names and stuff, but say our, our SDO2 would be kind of like the Lynx ball. So that's the one that, that would have a lower trajectory and, and kind of have that boring wind flight that I was talking about. The type of golf that you're used to playing that you were just talking about there, you'd probably look at the 01 or the 05. That'd probably be more the stadium type ball. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely, um, came, comes into the equation for sure. To be, to be really honest, where, where we looked at when we, we first started, we wanted three. So we just started with one, which was the O one. one That's why it's called that. It's our first design. Um, we started with the one and then added the two. Um, and really we looked at what the three best selling balls were at the time and tried to get as close as we could as to performance in that. And one of those was a Pro V1, one of them was a Pro V1 X and the other one was a Callaway Chrome Soft. So that's kind of where we started. And then it's kind of an evolution to, um, yeah, looking at that Irishness of what we play in here, of how those balls might <laughs> might fit various. So so we'd often say, like, if you're playing a Parkland course over here, so if you're playing like a Dare Manor where the, the Ryder Cup's going to be in a few years' time, we'd probably recommend, you know, the one or the five for that type of course because that's the type of thing you're playing about. It's going to get up in the air and it's going to stop and hold those greens. Mm -hmm. But if you're playing links, yeah, you definitely want that links type of ball. You want the lower one, you want the O2 that's going to give you that that um, kind of boring trajectory through the wind. So, so yeah, that's kind of how we put them all together. So you, you're also looking at the compression story pretty heavily then if, if you have the addition of Chrome Soft as a, as a metric, yeah? Yeah, compression is really interesting. I mean, there's no... There's no set like the golf industry as a whole. It's like it's like length of golf clubs. There's no standard for that. So um, you know, it, it varies from from model to model. We do try and oh excuse me, we do try and offer a variety of of compressions there. It's more from a field perspective, I suppose, than anything. But um, but yeah, I wouldn't get too carried away with compression as a as a metric um, to, to live or die by with golf ball design. I think it's kind of a little bit overused and it's a bit hard to uh, to verify you know, an 85 or 90 compression ball from off. What's that like compared to somebody else's 85 or 90 compression? There's no real, there's very few standards around that, I think. That's interesting. I, I haven't heard that take, uh, but I like it. I, I think about uh, a lot of shaft companies having a variance in the, in the term stiff or X and, yeah. uh, you know, the different CPM levels and 
uh, torque levels, I guess, would be more more adequate there. Yeah, it's, it's like the thing of what's the standard parts type of thing. Yeah, it's like a, what's the standard five iron length. Well, it kind of depends on what what brand it is and what shaft is in it and whether it's steel or graphite and what they're trying to do with it. It's like it's like lofts is another great example of that. You know, what is actually the standard pitching wedge off? It used to be fifty when I was a kid. Now it's like forty. What is it? Forty two or something now? I'm not sure. But, <laughs> That's um, aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, so like all that sort of stuff kind of changes and um actually that's a really interesting point actually if you, you know how there's a there's a lot of conversation about whether the ball should be rolled back and all that sort of stuff i often wonder with, if an easy decision for the usga and the rna would be to do that just set a standard set of lofts to start with for irons and for drivers and say look a pitching wedge is actually 50 degrees and let's let's work it work it through that way because that would definitely uh that would definitely shorten things up a little bit just from just from doing that because i'm not sure most people are aware that the current six iron is probably an old four iron <laughs> so, so yeah, it's an interesting. You could you could go down a rabbit hole there without too much trouble at all. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna avoid that today because that's that's a heavy topic. But I, I do I do want to ask about presentation overall. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, like the identity of a golf ball. That I guess is threefold. It's visual presentation, things like the uh, the dimple pattern. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's the brand name that, that is recognizable, but it's also the things like the font and the, um, the designs that are actually on the ball. And, sure. and I'm super curious about this, that seed has presentation on the ball. It has, uh, what appears to be a bit of a target and, um, and then the actual font itself, <laughs> was it an easy decision to go with that particular font or, or did you agonize um, I- over that? Yeah, look, there's a lot of thought and development going into that. So the, the actual logo itself, the, the target logo, if you if you want to call it that, it's actually um, more the cup logo. So the green would represent the golf green, the black is the cup, and the white is the ball going home to the bottom of the cup. So okay. that's what that stands for. Um, that. Yeah, when, when it comes to font, um, well, look, for us, it's really, I suppose, talking about D to C, it's really interesting. So the, the leader, if you like, or the... Um, What's a, what's a better word for it? But the the, the 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 font that most people would recognize on a golf ball would be the Titleist font, which is a, uh, a written or a script script font. So scripted, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there'd be a lot of if you look at a lot of DTC brands, most of them would be probably script for that reason because it kind of reson kind of um, in it sort of subconsciously reflects that it might be similar to a Titleist, I suppose. Whereas with us, we definitely we were trying to do something very differently. How we set the product up, how we distribute it, all that sort of stuff is, is all very different to what a normal golf brand does. Certainly how we talk about it and how we market it is definitely very different. So we wanted to reflect that in, a, in our in our brand. And that's why um, the, the logo looks like it does. That's why when you look at the packaging, it's on recycled, you know, it's not glossy foil printing like everybody else uses. It's it's a recycled board that we use. It's very deliberate to, to sort of, um, to, to signify that, that there is something different going on with this particular brand. So, so yeah, that's why we chose to do that. Even though the alignment of the, I don't know if you noticed, but the alignment on the box, it's, it's um, portrait rather than landscape. So it's, it's vertical mm-hmm. rather than horizontal. But I mean, that's a deliberate choice as well. Um, all that sort of stuff. Um, the interesting thing we did, which is <laughs> just funny um, from a golfer's perspective. So when you get a dozen of the balls and the sleeves on the internal, of the packaging are all uh, pr- uh, the the number is actually printed on the outside of the sleeve so one two three four so you can see really easily what the sleeve is so sometimes you know when you're playing with someone you might have the same ball happens a lot here in ireland where a lot of people will be using seeds um you might go to grab one to, to change the number if you're using the same number but you can never actually find 
in the on the sleeve what it is that you're using so we put it on, oh, put yeah. that number on the outside just to make that easy to go okay we'll grab that box of twos and switch my one for two whatever that might be so um so yeah it, everything was really well thought through and, and quite deliberate as to why we did that so so that's where it all comes from i love that and the name seat itself it was a reference to what australians call golf balls is that right correct yeah that's, that's an interesting one so um my my excuse me my dad was a golf pro back in the day back in brisbane so he was a club pro one of the local clubs there quite a famous one actually and um so consequently growing up as a as a young fellow who would have probably uh, had ambitions to maybe go down that same path but was never quite maybe ability wasn't quite there to, to match that ambition um i hung around a lot with those guys that were uh tour players caddies and all that sort of stuff so it's kind of slang for golf ball basically so down there if you're if you're playing on the professional tour Asia as well, I think this happens. You get to the first team, they say, hey, Dino, what, uh, what seed are you using today? Meaning, what ball are you using? So um, so it was just a slang for golf ball, basically. And I thought it was a worldwide thing. Although Phil's tried to, uh, Phil Mickelson's tried to bring it back into play with the hellacious seed thing that he was using there a while back. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's slang for golf ball, basically. And so when we were setting up the business, it, it's that's probably the like asking about why it looks like it does and all that sort of stuff is, is kind of an easier decision than, than putting a brand name on it. That's quite a difficult thing to to come up with. So it just seemed like the perfect fit for what we were trying to do. You know, why wouldn't you call a golf ball company seed? That seemed like made perfect sense to us. So there, that's where it comes from. It's slang for golf ball. That's great. Um, and I get the final thing I'd love to focus on is it, it doesn't appear that you're stopping at golf balls. It looks like some other things are in development maybe golf bags what what uh is sky the limit there or what's the plan yeah look over here the people that have like the people that use seed are, are really into what we're doing and into that story about what we're trying to do and make golf more more fun more accessible and just more enjoyable for more people basically um and i think people get that and if that if that's who you are and that resonates um then it makes sense that you might want to buy some other products from from a brand like that so uh, as I mentioned, I came from OGO where I would have done a bit of design and product development with them. So it was kind of a natural extension for us to, to look at golf bags. Um, the golf bags are really interesting. So with, I mentioned there with the packaging. So we used recycled cardboard when we put that packaging together. And the response from that was um, was really interesting. It was it was really favorable. And, and people would often comment that, look, it's great that you're, you know, I love the balls, but it's great that you're using that recycled stuff as well. And it wasn't really something we given a huge amount of thought to, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so that particular golf bag, the fabric that we use, the yarn that, that's made for that fabric is actually made from recycled single-use plastic water bottles. So there's 27 of those uh, recycled to go into the yarn that makes every one of those golf bags. So um, anytime we can sort of be uh, sustainable, I guess is the word, like that where it doesn't actually, uh, as long as it's not doing it to... Um, kind of like a virtue signaling thing as long as it doesn't affect the performance or um uh it, it, then we, we would try and incorporate that into the products for sure so that, that's what we did with those particular golf bags so um and you might look again looking at the OGO thing you, they were very very good at putting collections of product together where they have some unusual materials and put it through a range of products and you might have noticed with us we've done that, I might have borrowed that from my previous employer um we've got a collection of products there where the travel cover matches the bag and the the shag bag and the cooler bag match the bag as well. So, so yeah, we tried to put like a little kind of stylish without being too in your face, but put like a little mm. stylish collection of products together there that if people are into seed and like, like what we stand for, that might be happy to, to, to cut those around the course 
uh, with them. And so far, that's um, that's proven to be the case. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I love the heathered look. I didn't realize it was uh, utilizing recycled goods. I, I think it's a great looking product. And, and I'm just on the site right now and realizing you guys actually have a sale going on. So if anyone's curious about a new golf bag or uh, <laughs> a new travel cover, they look good. I mean, they look very, very nice. And um, yeah, so that that's sort of a starting point. Is is there, are you going deeper than that? Yeah, look, what we would look for is... Um without giving away too many business secrets here, what we yeah. look for is, 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 um, is sections of the market where we would think the, the leading product or the market leading brand might be a little bit overpriced for what it is. And we, we kind of obviously felt that about golf balls, that the market leader perhaps was um, not overcharging, but was perhaps charging a premium for something that could maybe, for a similar performance, could be provided for, for, for a slightly better value, which is hopefully what we've proven with the golf ball. So we would look at other areas of the the golf market and think, well, you know, that same performance, half the price mantra, what else could we apply that to within golf and, and save, you know, come up with a really good product that performs really, really well, um, but save people money as well. Um, and again, that Irish influence of being based over here, we play in a lot of, uh, how can I be polite to my Irish fans? A lot of, a wide variety of, of weather conditions over here. We could be playing in, you know, rain, sun, sleet, snow, um, you get it all, wind, you get everything over here. So the first product we... we Hey. We call it diverse, yeah. Diverse, correct. <laughs> a lot of diverse conditions. That's exactly right. Yeah. So a lot of our products are informed by that uh, weather diversity is a good way of looking at it. So the yeah. glove that we put together is, is kind of like a hybrid or weather glove. So it's a leather leather palm that we've had treated to be able to um, to cope with a little bit of water as well, to cope with a little bit of the wet. So um, you still get that soft kind of leather feel, but it will play in all sorts of different conditions. It's embossed on the palm. So if it does get wet, you've still got a good, good amount of grip there and you're not going to slip out of your hands, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the, the one we're really looking at, and we have been looking at it for a couple of years, but haven't quite got there yet with um, with getting a product to where we want it to be, um, performance-wise and and, and uh, just quality-wise, is is uh, outerwear, you know, rainwear, and it would be perfect for for us to put something together like that. So we play in a lot of um, a lot of windy and rainy conditions. So yeah, that, that's definitely something we're working on at the moment. Is trying to put together some seed outerwear that's designed to cope with all that sort of stuff but still very functional and still performs and hopefully not um you know four hundred dollars a garment so uh, <laughs> yeah that is the story on outerwear and rain material is it is expensive so yeah i am all on board for you figuring that one out <laughs> yeah well look, and to be honest it doesn't doesn't have to be expensive i don't think but um but there's definitely some functionality in it that i think being golfers as well is very helpful for that even if even that golf bag if you have a look at that closely that golf bag particularly on the course like there's a lot of internal pockets we've we've put in some of the um the side pockets and stuff like that just to make storage easier um all sorts of stuff that's been built in there just to make your life on the course a lot of, a little bit easier so you can tell what kind of golfers have put that together and hopefully with the outerwear you'll get the same impression that okay these guys actually you know they're, they're clearly playing a lot of weird conditions because this stuff performs really really well so um yeah i think i think being golfers and being based here definitely helps inform a lot of those decisions when we're trying to put stuff together well i'll tell you what dean i've had an awesome time talking about your brand today and the story uh, i think it's great what you guys are doing and uh, i want to give you an opportunity to either ask, ask me any questions or offer up any feedback for the listeners who are still quite curious about seed golf uh, before we wrap it up today uh yeah look i wouldn't have any i appreciate you having me on dan it's been great of to course. have a chat about seed um we 
uh, just sort of getting going over in the States, to be perfectly honest with you. So we have a pretty strong following over here in Ireland, in the UK and, and throughout Europe, but um, uh, you still have a little ways to go to get some uh, some people out there to uh, to be aware of what we're doing. So if any of the uh, any of the THPers are interested in trying it, definitely, hopefully they give it a try and certainly let us know what they think of the product also, because we're, we're very open to uh, to getting that feedback back and hearing what people think of our products and maybe where we can improve or do better or, or what else they might like to see from us. So um you know that's kind of what we're here for so so yeah if anybody's got any feedback for us you know where i am and send it through all right well hey everyone out there if you are interested in reasonably priced golf balls who have a great story behind them give seed a chance let me know what you think we'll have a discussion on the the thp community forum by the end of this week and uh yeah looking forward to the next stage of that if you are playing golf this weekend it sounds like dean and i are not (laughs) but if you are have fun enjoy it make it count and we'll see you next week thp radio on the hackers paradise podcast network your number one source for all things golf subscribe on itunes to never miss an episode